when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass... As they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul with tablets with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played, and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow, when the evil spirit from God came upon him, And he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand, as at other times. And there was a javelin or spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite him, for I will smite him even to the wall with, with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, and we'll skip over verse 17, and verse 20, And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her that they, she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the stead of the twain. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath light in thee, and all his servants love thee. 
Now therefore, be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spake these words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? And the servants of Saul told him, saying, In this manner spake David. And Saul said, Thou shalt say to, Thus shall he say to David, The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskins of the Philistines to avenge to the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when the servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. And the days were not expired, wherefore David arose and went, he and his men, and slew the Philistines two hundred men. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them full tale to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. So his name was much set by. Now in these verses that we read together, there's an expression that's not found hardly any place else. He behaved himself wisely. That's four times in these verses we read. He, David behaved himself wisely. Now, this should encourage all our young people because David was only in his late teens or early 20s when this chapter was written about him. And so they should encourage young, but it's a problem for all of us, whether young or old, to consider the wise behavior of David. Now, now um, he behaved himself wisely four times. And really the unsaved pay far more attention to our behavior than our preaching. And so it's more important to behave wisely before the unsaved than it is to preach wisely. And of course, they're far more likely to pay attention to what we say if we behave ourselves wisely before them. We read in Philippians 1, verse 27, Only let your man of life be as becometh the gospel of Christ, so whether I come unto you, else be absent. I mean, here are your affairs that signed fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. The poet has put it, we're all writing a, a gospel, a chapter each day. But the things we do and the things we say, men heed what we do, whether faith is a true, say, how is the gospel according to you? And I should ask, how is the gospel according to me? Hope every one of us want to be good advertisements for the gospel. Now, this word is found in Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. Deal prudently is the same uh, word as behave himself wisely. 
it denotes skill and success. So we could translate Isaiah 52 verse 13, He dealt wisely so as to prosper. And no one ever be able to sell so wisely as the Lord Jesus every moment that he lived. And our Lord Jesus only spoke of his love for the Father once. But his whole life is a wonderful manifestation of the love of the Father by the Son. And the greatest demonstration of his love for the Father is when he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, verse 8. And even he himself said it. He said in John 14, verse 30, The prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. So, and really, uh, his wise behavior uh, has the results in the last three verses of chapter 53, verse 10 to 12. God pleased, himself satisfied, and his servants justified. Verse 10, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. All God's purposes will come to fruition because the Lord Jesus will become obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The Lord Jesus not only behaved wisely, but he wants all of us to behave wisely. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, when he sent out the twelve, two by two, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents, and harmless as doves. We read in Colossians 3, verse 4 and 5, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Fifty years ago, our greatest danger was not having enough grace and too much salt. Today, probably, our greatest danger is having not enough salt. But no matter what time we live in, we should obey both of, both of these things. We should do our best to have both. And the best illustration of that is one verse about our Lord Jesus. John 4, verse 16. He said to the woman of Samaria, Go call thy husband and come hither. She said, Sir, I have no husband. He said, Thou hast well said, Thou hast no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And even though thou hast, is not thy husband, and that says how truly. When he said, Go call thy husband, that was a song. He knew her sins would come to the light. But then, wonder of wonders, knowing all about the woman, he said, And come hither. What grace. So, let us treat you always with grace, seasoned with song. And we, may the Lord help us all act with wisdom from above. James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom of the Spirit first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. We should notice it's not first peaceable. That would be compromise. That would be appeasement. It's first pure. But if we're acting with wisdom from above, we're as peaceable as possible. 
consistent with the purity of the Word of God. And that's, Allah gives the same order in the Beatitudes. He says in verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, the sons of God. But the only peacemaker that is blessed is consistent with the pure, previous beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we should profit from our mistakes. When I worked at Faye, Swafford, and Thorndike, consulting civil engineers in Boston, it was understood that in the afternoon we could talk for a few minutes. There was about 15 drafting boards, and mine was the last one. Behind my drafting board was a little office where two women did secretarial work. One of them was Mrs. Cunningham. And one afternoon when I was speaking with them, I happened to tell them about my immediate family. So-and-so is saved, and -and so-and-so isn't saved. Mrs. Cunningham noticed that. Now, I knew Mrs. Gunningham was a moral living woman. I knew that. I knew she was a religious woman, but I had no reason whatsoever to think she was saved. She said, am I saved? Boy, I wasn't expecting that. So he said, no. Oh, just because I'm not preaching like you are. Now, I thought afterwards, how could I have done it better? It would have been better if I throw it back to her. When she asked me, am I saved? I should have said, well, according to the word of God... Everyone that's saved and on the way to heaven is at a time when they saw they're unfit for God's presence the way they were. And they trusted the work of the Lord Jesus to take them to heaven. You can decide yourself whether you're saved. That would have been better. So we should profit from our own mistakes. Now, really there's different circumstances about this behaving themselves wisely. The first time, it was because of exaltation and glory. And uh, the second one was because of humiliation. And then the last one, and I'm going to spend the most time on the first two. The last one is concerning the battles of the Lord. Now, first of all, behave wisely because of exhortation. That's the first seven verses. Then verse 8 to verse 29 is being wisely in humiliation. And then the last one, verse 30, is behaving himself wisely concerning the battles. Now, first of all, when he defeated Goliath of Gath, he received honor from three different sources. He received honor from Jonathan, from Saul, and from the people. He received honor from Jonathan. It says, he, Jonathan's soul was knit with the soul of David. Now, that expression is right also in Genesis 44, verse 30. When Judah was speaking to the governor without knowing the governor was his own brother, he was saying about his father, if they didn't bring Benjamin, the younger son, his younger son with them, he would die because his life is bound up in the life of the lad. Or, the revised version margin, his soul is knit with a lad's soul. So, uh, Jonathan's love for David was similar to the love of Jacob for Benjamin. Um, and so he received honor that way. And then it says twice that, that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And it says that he stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David. 
Now, we, want, we don't understand this in this country, but in the East, for a, a king or an heir to the throne to give part of his clothing to a person is the highest honor that can be conferred on that person. And Haman, the Agagite, he knew that in Esther chapter 6. When King Ahasuerus asked him, What shall be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Haman was so egotistical, so full of himself, he thought, Who does the king want to honor more than me? So he made as good as he could. And the first thing he said, That the royal apparel which the king used to beware be brought for that man. So for for Jonathan to give his robe to David to restore the greatest honor they could in the east. So Jonathan honored him, and the people, and Saul too honored him. He he would let him go no more home to his father's house. That doesn't mean he could never visit his dad again, but he was constrained to accept a permanent position in the king's court. And then Saul also honored him by making him over all his men of war. He really was making him commander-in-chief of all the army. So that was high honor. And then the people honored him. It says he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And the women, they were honoring the victory. That was very understandable for them to honor the victory of David, defeating Goliath of Gath. And so they sang antiphonally. They answered one another as they sang. Saul is thousands, as David is tens of thousands. So one group of women was saying, Saul is thousands. And the other group was saying, David is saying, Saul is tens of thousands. It's like what we have in Exodus 15. They sang the song of Moses, the first 19 verses, then verse 21. Miriam answered them, saying, Sing ye to the Lord, for his strength gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. So uh, Miriam was singing antiphonally as well. So he, was, he got all this honor, uh, first from Jonathan, then from Saul, and then from the people themselves. And many a young man has received only a fraction of the honor that David received. And they let it go to the head. And they were lifted up with pride and they behaved foolishly. But not David. He behaved most wisely. And he went, he went out with a sword of Saul, sent him, and behaved himself wisely. Even though he did what Saul couldn't do. He obeyed him. He faithfully served him. Just like he'd been faithfully serving his father, keeping care of the sheep. Now he went out with us wherever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. He didn't let it go to his head. And that reminds us of our Lord Jesus when he was 12 years of age. Um... And Mary and Joseph found him in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. That was perfectly fitting for a 12-year-old boy to be in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. 
But they in turn asked him questions, because all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. They asked him questions, and they were astonished at his understanding and answers. I'm going to link two successive verses in Psalm 119 with Luke chapter 2. Verse 99 of Psalm 119, Understand more than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditations. There's no one that ever lived that so meditated on the word of God as the Lord Jesus. And then verse 100, I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. And no one ever kept the precepts of God like our Lord Jesus. Now, in verse 51, He went down with Mary and Joseph to Nazareth and was subject unto them. I hope all the young people are listening. Because the day we're listening is not conducive to being submissive to anyone. But the perfect Lord Jesus, he was submissive to Mary and Joseph. Even though he was perfect and they weren't perfect. And even though he did, he astonished everybody, but he did what the, his parents couldn't do. Yet he was subject unto them. And now, the next time is humiliation. Um, now, uh, those women, they were tactless to say the least. And they were indiscreet to praise a subject higher than a sovereign. Saul slain his thousands, as David his tens of thousands. Now, now really, instead of singing uh, praises to Saul and David, they should have been given glory to God. Like in Exodus 14, Moses stretched his hand over the Red Sea, and God's people went through on dry land. Then when the Egyptians were following them, he put his hand again and the Red Sea drowned the Egyptians. But they weren't seeing Moses' glory. They were glorifying God. And that's what Miriam, her brother, said. Sing ye to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, they throw into the sea. It would have been better if these women gave glory to God instead of glory in, in, in Saul and David. We could, we're, we're probably justified to say the flesh in those singers worked in the flesh of Saul. He couldn't bear to be second to anybody. Spurgeon used to say, it takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. And if, but everyone in, the, everyone in the assembly should know something about playing second fiddle. And if we know something about second fiddle, it'll help us when we have first fiddle. But if a person's first fiddle without knowing anything about playing second fiddle, it'll hinder them. So, but Saul couldn't bear the thought of being second fiddle to anybody. They were ascribed to David ten thousands, to me but thousands. So he eyed David from that day and forward. Jonathan's love for David began in his great victory over, over Goliath. But Saul's hatred began when he heard the singing of the women. It says in 1 Samuel 
17 verse, 16 verse 21, he loved him greatly, but now he hates him greatly. And Samuel told him 33 years before, in chapter 18 verse 13 to 14, and 17 years later, and more specifically in chapter 15 verse 28, that a neighbor of his would have his kingdom. God was going to take the kingdom from him and give it to a neighbor of his. Ever since then, he's been keeping his eye open. And of course, David could be a neighbor because his home city, Bethlehem, was only 12 miles from Saul's city, Gibeah. And then, really, when he was certain about it, he said to his son, Jonathan, Thou shalt in Second Chronicles uh, 20 verse 21 Thou shalt be established all thy kingdom as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the earth. Now the first thing that Saul did uh, to, to, uh, because of his hatred he tried twice to kill him with a javelin or a spear. And David avoided ourselves twice. Now David could have taken the spear and killed Saul. And he could have said, I did it in self-defense. And that would be mostly true. But David knew that Samuel had told him he was anointed to be king. And so he did nothing to hasten the day that it reigned over Israel. Um, and so he didn't do it. The second thing that he did in hatred for David, he sent him from him and made him captain over a thousand. Boy, what a demotion. He was first made commander-in-chief, now he's only captain over a thousand. What a demotion. What a setback he got. Now how is David going to act? Is he going to pout and sulk and not do his work well? Or is he going to leave the army altogether? Or is he going to lead a rebellion against Saul? He didn't do anything of those things. It says he'd be, in verse 14, he'd be able to wisely in all his ways. And even the next verse, Saul could see that he behaved himself very wisely. And so he, he didn't do that. And really, if a brother is convinced that God wants him in the Lord's work, he, he should be careful to leave it in the hand of God. So now most of us, in a lifetime, gets different setbacks. Sometimes it's always worthy to consider that they deserve it. Sometimes we do deserve a setback. But he, David surely didn't deserve this setback. He wrongly was set back. But he behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Now, the word behave wise is only twice. It's twice in this section because it took more grace to behave wisely when it's set back than it did to behave wisely when it's exalted. And then uh, uh, three times it says the Lord was with him. And uh, that made all the difference in the world. We read in Acts 7 verse 9, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with them. But God was with them. That made all the difference in the world. But God was with them. How delightful to read Genesis 39. Even though his ten older brothers 
sold them into slavery. God was with them in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar could see that the Lord was with them. And then he was unjustly put in prison. And the Lord was still with them. And the prison keeper could see that the Lord was with them. So four times in Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph. Even though he was unrighteously sold into slavery. But then we should consider Second Chronicles 15 verse 9. During Asa's reign, they felt him in abundance of all the tribes of Israel, and they saw that the Lord as God was with them. How good when we have the Lord with us so that others can see that. Now, we also read three times that David was afraid. Uh, Saul was afraid of David, and well he might, because that chapter and the next chapters show us that hate is falling. And love is wisdom. Now, he demoted him, and he went out and in before the people. But, but that made the people love him all the more. It, it says they loved, all Israel and Judah loved him, because he went out and in before them. The job that he had when he was demoted, that helped promote him in his appreciation of the people. And then, he hoped to give his daughter Michael to, to David as a, his wife and asked only for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. He hoped that when David was trying to get those foreskins that some of the Philistines would kill him. That's what he was hoping. But David not only produced a hundred, he produced two hundred of them. And so it didn't work. And then in the very next chapter, Michael saved his life against her father by, by pretending that he was in the bed when he wasn't in the bed. So, uh, and then David behaved himself wisely when he got a setback. And David wanted to build a house for the Lord. The Lord wouldn't let him do it. But David didn't sulk. He, it says in First Chronicles 29, he prepared with all his might to the house of his God, because he set his affection to the house of his God. So he behaved himself wisely as a young man, and he behaved himself wisely and much older. So, and then the last one, verse 30, about the battles. He behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, because it was a battle for the Lord. And may the Lord help us to have wisdom about being in attendance at all the meetings. We should, we, we, if we're in assembly fellowship, we should try to be at every meeting that we possibly can. So may the Lord help us all to behave wisely for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Shall we pray?